Welcome to Crossroads Church's Sermon of the Week podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Really near the end of a series that that uh, we've been doing here called What the Bible Says About Christmas. And just to reiterate, uh, there, that word Christmas uh, doesn't appear in the Bible. Uh, that, is, that is a term that we've attached uh, to this season. And, and to be honest, the, this season or when, when we celebrate Jesus' birth, uh, nowhere does it talk about Christmas trees or lights or gifts. And uh, so parents, you're off the hook. You don't have to give your kids any gifts uh, this Christmas. And the kids are a collective groan. Oh, no. Um, so the season, it wasn't probably December. Historians have some debate on when. Um, so we don't actually know when it is. And so then with all of those kind of working against it, well, why celebrate it? Why talk about it? Why even make a big deal about it? Well, the Bible actually does talk a lot about Christmas. It just doesn't necessarily use, uh, use those words. And in fact, over the Christmas holidays and the season, you've heard different passages, and there's some famous ones. Uh, there's, there's ones about where Jesus is, is born in a manger. There was the census that, was, that took place that, uh, that Joseph took Mary, and, and if he hadn't have taken her to Bethlehem, it wouldn't have fulfilled uh, what the prophet Micah had said. And so there were a lot of passages that, that tie into the Christmas season. Even when, when the angel visited Mary and surprised her and said, hey, you're going to have a child, and that was uh, scary to her. It, I'm not choosing those, and, and maybe because I think you should all know those, but I'm picking a couple of other ones throughout this, this series. And, and I want to just read out of Isaiah chapter 59, because the Bible is full of stories announcing that the, the Messiah would come, that, that Jesus was going to come. The scripture says in, through the prophet Isaiah, hundreds of years before Jesus actually was born in a manger, it says, and a redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who turn from trans transgression, declares the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you and my words that I put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring or out of the mouth of your children's offspring says the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. When, when you think about prophecy, sometimes prophecies are hard to understand. And, and that's, that's for a reason, and I'll let, I'll let God explain that one day. Uh, though Jesus did mention a little bit, he said, though having eyes to see, they won't see, and having ears to hear, they won't hear. Um, but for those who are truly seeking and truly listening, uh, he will reveal himself to them. And so when you see a prophecy in the, in the middle of a time of desperation like Isaiah's prophecy was and like many of the prophecies, sometimes you, you think, well, does that mean it's going to happen now or is it going to happen in a week or is it going to happen in a month? But, but in reality, it's probably a little bit more like the prophet gets this word from God and, and all of time comes flooding through his brain. Because the prophet himself is not given an exact time or an exact date. He, he, he sees the picture and he sees the message and he revere, uh, reveals it to the people. And so when he says a redeemer will come, come to Zion, Zion is that, is that city on a hill. It's, it's the place that David built, but it's also another term for, for the heavenly kingdom that, that will be uh, established. And so he says, God says through the prophet, he says a redeemer is going to come. 
And, and this is the message of hope. This is, this is the Christmas story. That there's a Redeemer that's coming. They didn't know when the Redeemer was coming. They weren't sure exactly when, it was, when he was going to come. In fact, if you remember last week's message, they, they had all but given up waiting on a Redeemer to come. They, 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 stopped, they stopped waiting for him. In fact, when, when the wise men showed up, they were surprised. Oh, there are actually people looking for him? They, they had foreigners looking for the Messiah, and yet the people who had been promised the Messiah and the Redeemer had given up on waiting for him. And, and this startled Herod, and in fact, it startled all of the city. The city was in commotion. But, but what happened was, was a result of this was the plan from the beginning, that a Redeemer was going to come. And, and maybe that's a term that you're not familiar with, Redeemer. Now, if, when you think about the, the exact definition of, of redeeming something, at least in that culture, it was what was the value of something that was placed in a marketplace. So if you walk into a marketplace, what is the value that they place on something? And so uh, sometimes that's, that's hit or miss. If you go to a flea market and, and, and you see a bucket of baseballs and, and they're used baseballs, and somebody might charge five bucks. Somebody might charge 10 bucks. If you see those, buy them and give them to me. I'm always collecting those if you go to uh, flea markets. But the value really depends. And if you go on eBay, a bucket of used baseballs is about 50 bucks. And so redeeming that might depend on where you go to buy them and what someone else sees that value as. And, and so you need to understand redemption in that way. You get a, a coupon book in the mail and it says, you can go to Arby's and you can get this sandwich, and, and, and if you, or if you buy this fry, you can get a sandwich. Usually it's the other way around. You have to buy a whole combo and then another drink and another fry, and then they maybe give you a cookie. I, I don't know. It's usually the value of that is it's shrinking with inflation. We're seeing that the, the redemption, you redeem that coupon is, is not as valuable. So we, we use the word redeem a little bit, but not that often in our, in our common language. And, and so the prophet Isaiah relaying this message from God says, a redeemer's going to come. Well, what's he redeeming? Well, he's redeeming humanity. So the Christmas story is a redemption story. It's always, been, a, it's always been about Christ the King coming to redeem us. Well, you have to fast forward a little bit. Well, how is he going to redeem us? It's through death. Death is the way he redeemed us because we were born into sin. We couldn't be born back into his presence uh, like maybe you would see in the Garden of Eden. Uh, no, that, that ship had sailed. And, and, and now people needed to get back into God's presence, but there was only one way, and that was God coming to us. Emmanuel, as Matthew says, God with us. And so Redeemer needed to come for us because we couldn't go to him. And so the, Redemptor, the Redeemer came. Now, when you think about redemption and him coming for humanity, then let's just personalize it just for a second. He came for you, and he came for me. What's the value you place on you? What's the value I place on me? Now, sometimes we think pretty highly of ourselves. Sometimes we think too highly of ourselves. And, and, and we get a little conceited, right? The Bible even says don't get conceited. Kelly's the only one in this church that ever laughs at most of my jokes. <laughs> Joanne does too, that's right, me and Joanne, are, we're, we're, we get each other, uh, but, uh, yeah. but, but sometimes we do get like that, don't we? We think, oh, I'm, I'm pretty special, and then we have the other extreme when we don't really feel 
good about ourselves. Maybe we've sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God and we, and we see ourselves maybe in that light, that, uh, that negative light, that I'm nobody. I, how could I ever be important to God? I have no value. We're seeing an all-time high um, and an upward trend of, of, of people who are taking their own lives. We're seeing it. Um, I've heard statistics of in the military, and uh, I've heard of statistics in just every segment of society. You, you're seeing kids as young as, like, I think I read the other day, eight and nine. And they've not even had a chance to understand who they are and their value. Why does that take place? Because they've lost a sense of, of how valuable they are. The Christmas story is a redemption story. It's a story where God says, let me tell you how valuable you really are. You're so valuable that I sent my one and only son for you. You're, you're that valuable that... I let him pay the ultimate price for you. You see, the Christmas story is a story that needs to be told. It's a story that we must tell. And, and if, if I can borrow a phrase that I shared with someone earlier today, you see, if we don't tell the story, those stories are lost and forgotten. The Christmas story needs to be told. And, and maybe we need to go back and understand what the story is really all about. Um, it's, it's not that Jesus was born in a manger and was that a shack or was that a hewn out cave where, where he was there and, or, you know, where was he laid and, and how was that that nobody in Bethlehem cared to let him in? And, and sometimes we get, we get caught up in, in kind of all the, the things that we shouldn't or did Jesus cry? Of course he cried. He was a baby. What did that mean? He sinned? No, that meant he was hungry. You know, it's just, that's how that works. Have you ever heard the, the expression, oh, I slept like a baby? That's not a good expression if you think about it. And maybe you think twice before you use that because babies usually wake up wet and dirty and, uh, and they cry all night long. If you say, oh, I slept like a baby, it means so you're tired today, right? I mean, how do we come up with these expressions the same way we come up with these weird ideas about Christmas? But the story needs to be told. The real story needs to be told. And when the Christmas story is being told, we need to be reminded of why it's told. And so I want to share with you a couple of passages um, that maybe you wouldn't treat as, as Christmas passages, but uh, that's okay. That's what I'm here for, right? All right, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1. The scripture says, but now, O Jacob, now Jacob is a term used for the Israelites, and, and we commonly would now translate it to those who believed uh, and are, bought, are brought into the family of God through adoption through Christ, but it was referred to the people of Israel, the Jews. It says, but, but now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you, O Israel. The one who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. So Isaiah in one place says a Redeemer's coming, and, and he's going to come, and, and he's going to fill your mouth with his words. And, and it, those words are going to pass down from, from you to your, the next generation to the next generation. That's why stories are told, so the next generation can continue to share it with the next generation. The moment we stop telling the story to our kids is the moment that that message is lost for the next generation. We have to tell this story. And so Isaiah then jumps, and if we go backwards a little bit, he, he, he says, God says to the people, he says, oh, Jacob, listen. Listen to the Lord who created you. The reason there's a redemption story in the values because God created you in the first place. 
He is the one who formed you in your, in your mother's womb. He knew you before you were ever created. So he is the one who made you. He says, don't be afraid, God says, for I have ransomed you. Now, when you think of a ransom, it means that usually it has to do with some kind of a kidnapping, right? Someone has kidnapped someone, and, and then they offer, um, if you want to, to pay the price, they were released. I just read that the uh, 12 missionaries in Haiti were released this past week, and, and no, no, um, no amount was disclosed. I'm sure there was a lot of behind the scenes. There's a reason for that. If it says that they were released, more than likely... There were, a, there were a ton of negotiations, but there were probably some dollars exchanged. And the reason that's not mentioned is because that leads to more people kidnapping other people. And so that was probably part of the, the negotiation with the captors. Um, but I, I did hear that all of them were released. But make no mistake, there was a price that, were pay, that was paid for them to be released. Um, but they were ransomed. And they were ransomed by, by, I think Canada was even involved, and the U.S. And, and several countries were involved in that process. But God says to the people, Jacob, people of Israel, he uses both names. He said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid that you've been kidnapped. Now, let's just stop for a second. You, we don't, we're pretty free in this country. But the kidnapping that's been taking place and for Israel had been they had gone into slavery we don't realize that we have been under a certain kind of slavery ourselves, a certain kind of kidnapping. You see, there's an enemy. He lurks around to steal and to kill and to destroy. And he's out there. And he's been out there since the beginning of the fall. And, and so he's been taking captives. And God has been coming to rescue and to redeem. And, to, and so he pays that ransom. And he's put a value on your soul. He's put a value on you. Whether you believe in, whether you have high esteem and or high hopes in yourself, God says you are valuable because I created you, I formed you, I made you. I, I, li I like how he says this. He reminds them of the creation that he created them. I think if we're all honest, there are days when we think, what's my purpose? What am I here for? See, we and I have been created to love God and to walk in his ways and point people to, to him. We have this great purpose, but we've lost that. And, and so we need rescuing. We need a ransom that is paid. And, and that value has to be established. I was, um, I was in a marketplace in Peru. And I remember trying to, to make, a, uh, make a deal with, with uh, the person there. I think I was buying a, um, it was like blood wood. It was a really hard wood. And it was a salad bowl. And I was trying to negotiate with the person. And, and, and they always say, that, you know, don't be afraid to negotiate down and work them down. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to use my best skills. I thought I was pretty good at this. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I've worked them down. And, and I handed them a bill. And they're like, no, that's too big. And they hand me a bill back. And anyway, I finally get the salad bowl. And I'm thinking, I got them. I got them. I got a good deal on that. And, and I get back home. I go to the bank. And I realize they switched it out with a counterfeit bill. I'm like, wait a minute. So did... If they lowered the price, but they got my whole hundred, and I, I really got taken, if you know what I mean. The value of that salad bowl went up by three or four times. Um, it was a $100 salad bowl. I think I got for $100, right? They took it. They took the whole thing. Um, what's your value? What do you, what are you value at? Well, God says you're so valuable, he sent Jesus for you and for me. That's the Christmas story. And, and, and so in, in here in Isaiah 43, he says, I've called you by name. You are mine. I've called you. You know, from the very beginning, God has been calling and calling 
and calling. He's been calling you. And for those of you who are believers, you've answered the call. You heard that still, small voice. You heard him maybe through a song. Maybe you heard it through someone's testimony. Maybe you heard it through a sermon. Maybe you were just driving down the road and and you looked out and you're like, there's got to be a bigger purpose. And you answered the call when God whispered, come and follow me. But from the beginning, God has been calling. Even when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, he called them. He says, Adam, where are you? And he says, I feel shame. I'm, I'm sinning. See, God has been calling, and, and the enemy has been interrupting that call through our sin. The Christmas story is about, about the connection being made again. It's, it's God's calling, and now we're answering For so long, people couldn't communicate with God, or they tried, but there was this disconnect because of their sin. There was no way to him. And Jesus comes. And yes, he comes as a baby, but he grows to be a man, and he he dies as a sacrificial lamb for us. So that the connection, that we could go through this, this throne room, and we could there be with God and where he is. No longer would we be told that we're not allowed. It's VIP only. No, we are the very important people. Because God has called us by name. Another passage says this in Romans chapter 11, verse 25. It says, I do not want you to be ignorant of the mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. I thought that was a strange verse, by the way. And as I'm reading that verse, I want to read it again to you because he's talking about the mystery. There's a little bit of a mystery of why Jesus came. And and how he came. See, the people of Israel were given a promise through Abraham. It was was the covenant with Abraham, and it was to be passed down. And so you and I originally aren't part of that covenant, though we do understand God's big plan later. And And so Paul is writing to the church. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant of the mystery. He says, I don't want you to, to be so conceited that you're like, oh, oh, I've arrived. I'm I'm there. I'm now one of I'm one of them. Israel has experienced this hardening. So they've gone through this season when when they're not believing, they're not following, and they're not following the Christ. And it says this is going to take place until the full number of the Gentiles come in. So there's another little prophecy here. This is a little bit of an explanation and a prophecy. And Paul's in the New Testament, so you don't see as many prophecies in the New Testament. But he's announcing something. He's saying, because Jesus came for you and for me, we are now part of this family. And we shouldn't take it lightly. We shouldn't be so, uh, so nonchalant about the fact that we are Christians. Because really, we shouldn't be Christians. Except Christ invited us in. And he says, but there's coming a day when the full number of the Gentiles will come in. And then it's announcing then what's going to happen uh, with the Israelites. There'll be a coming back to him. And, and I'm not going to get in the chronological order of that. Because I don't know. There's a lot of people who think they know. And they, they sometimes do and sometimes don't. But what was strikingly interesting to, me, interesting to me was the fact he says until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. In other words, there's a countdown. There's a countdown. Ne- next week, there's going to be a countdown. The ball is going to drop, right? And, and as I shared last night in the service, I made the mistake when I first moved here that the time zone had changed. And so I'm watching the wrong channel. And we're all saying, Happy New Year. I'm like, wait a minute, that's New York time. It's really not happened yet. So we got to do it again, and that felt fun. Uh, we celebrated two New Year's celebrations at one time. But, but that, that ball counts down, and what do you go? You go 10, 9, 8, 
Seven. Yeah, everybody screams, right, when you get to one or zero. Um, it counts down. You know what's going to happen when the countdown ends? Time's up, people. Time's up. But there's time right now for more Gentiles to come in. That's us who aren't Jews. So there should be an urgency. The Christmas story is a, a story we urgently should share. There is a countdown coming. And, I'm like, and you might be thinking, well, Pastor, you need to be lifting this up today. Okay, well, let me get through the countdown, and then we'll, we'll try to go back up, maybe. Um, if you're a Christian, you have nothing to fear. If you're not a Christian today, the only thing you have to fear is the countdown and getting in before it strikes zero. But there is a countdown. And he says, when that countdown ends, then this mystery will also be opened up for the Jews, and they're going to understand. But make no mistake, the, the Bible talks about Christmas and why he came he came to be a redeemer. He's been calling. He's been counting. And then Paul in another place in the New Testament, uh, he, he says this in Galatians. He says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. It's referring to what I already talked about, right? So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it after it has been ratified. Paul's writing to, to the church and he's explaining a little bit more. And he says, Jesus has redeemed us. Jesus has paid the price for us. Christmas is, is about Jesus coming. Emmanuel, God with us in the flesh, but... He comes in the flesh. He was born to die. He came to die. Now, when we get to Easter, we have a lot of songs about the stone being rolled away. And we have these songs that are really specific towards that. We heard some of the Christmas songs. I would encourage you to come um, Friday night to the Christmas Eve. They've been practicing. There's some amazing songs uh, that you're going to hear. Um, both bands are going to be there. Yeah, it's going to be a great time. And, and they spent a lot of time even last Sunday. Um, and, and those songs are great. But one of these days, I'm just going to flip it on everybody. And we're just going to play Easter songs at Christmas. Because that's why he came. People, the stone has been rolled away. He's alive. And we shouldn't wait till April to celebrate that. Jesus came to die so that you and I could live. And, and, and Paul writes to the church, he says, don't forget this. You've been paid for. He paid a price for you. Now, you don't have to accept it. You don't have to think you're worth it. You don't even have to walk after him. But that's your choice. But you need to understand who you are and why you're valued to him and then you make that determination if you will follow him or you will reject him. Let's go all the way back to the very beginning. I'll, I'll wrap it up. Isaiah 59 says this. A redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who turn from transgression, who turn from their sins. This message, this Christmas story has always been about repent and follow him. John the Baptist came and he set the scene up. The forerunner, he came before Jesus came to, to pave the way and, and he said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So from the very beginning, this Christmas story has been announced before it was really announced that night to the, to the shepherds and to, and to all those who would worship him, even later the wise men. It's been announced that a redeemer's coming, but he says, turn from your sins and follow him. 
I'm going to ask if you just bow your heads and, and evaluate your own worth. See, what makes, us, what makes us feel unworthy is the sin. The sin is what makes us feel crummy. The sin in our hearts, the, 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 the moments we don't spend time with God or look to God or even think about God. But the Bible says when we turn from that, it says he puts his spirit on us. He was talking about the spirit even in Isaiah 59. He says, my spirit is upon you. The redemption story, you can know if you've been part of it or included in it if you have the spirit of the living God in you. The Bible says his spirit makes known to our spirit that we are children of God. Lord, as we bow and we think about that last part, your word says if we would turn from our sins and follow you, you would put your spirit in us. This is the Christmas story. That you gave us the gift of life and hope and forgiveness. That you gave us the mighty counselor in our hearts so, so we could know how to live and which way to go. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that is just waiting and thinking that that countdown is a little longer than it is, that they would they'd pick up the pace. And today would be a day that they would give to you, that they would turn from their sins and truly dedicate all that they have to you. Lord, I thank you for those of us who put our faith in you. That doesn't mean we've stopped sinning. It does mean we're more aware of the price because we see our weaknesses we see our frailties. We see what we're prone, that we are prone to wander from time to time. And then we think, wow, what a great God that would still love me knowing that I'm still like this. For more information about this podcast and other ministries, visit crossroadstx.church.